Hello, friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. The following message is the second in our Lent series entitled Talk to Me. In this installment, the Reverend Dr. Ed Glover continues our look at the Lord's Prayer as he focuses on Hallowed Be Thy Name. Here is that message. Thank you for listening. Season, which is called, and I love this title, Talk to Me. We're going to be looking at, if you will, the Lord's Prayer, and we're going to be studying in Matthew chapter 6, looking at verse 9 tonight. Let's pray before we start. Father, I come and I thank you and praise you for you and for these people. Thank you for the privilege I have. And I'd ask you right now to forgive me and cleanse me of any sin. And you'd fill me with your spirit, that you'd speak through me to your people. And we as your people would not just be hearers of the word, but we would be doers of it. You wouldn't just stir us, but that you would change us. For Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen and Amen. Before Jesus teaches the disciples to pray, he teaches them how not to pray. Look what it says in verse 7. It says this, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans. That word babbling can also be translated repetition. In other words, what Jesus is saying is he's saying, don't just say the words that you've been taught to pray without thinking. Don't say the words that you've been taught to pray without thinking. In other words, he's saying the pagans pray like that. They pray and their words are hollow. They're empty. They're meaningless because they just keep saying words, words that they've been taught without thinking about what they're saying. They're like repetition. And what Jesus is doing is he's warning those disciples of how not to pray, but it's also a warning to us. Why is that? Because here at Christ Church, every Sunday, We recite the Lord's Prayer, and we can be caught up in saying the words without thinking. That's what I'm so excited about, why we've taken on this series, and what we've called it. We've called it, Talk to Me. See, it reminds us that we're not just mindlessly saying these things, like we're we're following after a religion. No, we are following after a living God. We're not in a religion. We're in a relationship with the living Christ who died on the cross, was raised again from the dead, and he lives. And because he lives, we who have put our faith in him, he's brought us back into a right relationship with God so that when we pray in Jesus' name, we're praying to a God who's alive. We're praying to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit who hears our prayers. So we're not like the pagans. We're not babbling. We're not praying to a a dead God or a religion, we're talking to someone who's up close and personal with us. We're having a conversation with a living God. Talk to me. I love that. And God wants to talk to you. And he wants you to talk to him. So we're going to learn about that tonight, how we do that, especially from the Lord Jesus Christ. But let me say two more things about the Lord's Prayer before we move on. Number one, the Lord's Prayer really is not the Lord's Prayer. Because Jesus could have never prayed this prayer. Why do I say that? Because in the middle of the prayer, it says this. Forgive us of our sins, our trespasses. Jesus could have never prayed that prayer. He was without sin. He never sinned. He was the spotless lamb of God. So we say the Lord's prayer, yeah. But it isn't the Lord's prayer. What is going on here is he's teaching the disciples how to pray. The Lord Jesus is teaching the disciples. You remember in Luke, it says that Jesus was there and the disciples came to him and said, teach us how to pray. That's what he's doing. He's teaching us 
how we're to pray. Now, I know historically they say that this is the Lord's Prayer, and there's nothing wrong with that. I understand that, but I'm just cleaning it up for us. He could have never prayed that prayer. Second, is that this is the disciples' prayer. Notice I said disciples. That means believers. Second thought, unbelievers could never pray this prayer. They might be able to recite it, but they could never honestly pray it. Why? Because Jesus starts out by saying what? Our Father who art in heaven. Unbelievers could never pray that prayer because God is not everyone's Father. God created everything, but not everyone's a child of God. Why do I say that? Because of what Jesus said in John chapter 8, when he's talking to the religious leaders, he says in 8 chapter John, John chapter 8, verse 42, Jesus said to them, If God were your Father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. Throughout the scriptures, it's very clear that there's two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of God, and there's the kingdom of this world. Here in this passage, Jesus is referring to the family. The family of God, and the family of this world. And there's God the Father, and and then there's the Father of lies. And the only way that you move from the Father of lies to the God of heaven is by having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Unless you're born again, you cannot know the Father. So it says here in the Scriptures, in John chapter 1, verse 12, this is Jesus speaking. He's saying, as many as received him, meaning Jesus, he gave them power to become children of God. Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 14? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. If you deny Jesus, you can't know the Father. It's impossible. Because the Father is the Father of believers. Jesus Christ is the one who gives us access to the Father. It's through his finished work that we have access to God. Now all of us have, or not shouldn't say all of us, but most of us have, if you will, access codes into our, into our homes. We put those security systems. And you got to know the code to get into the house without setting off the alarms. I remember when we put a, uh, an alarm system in our home. I took that access code. Did I give it to everybody? No, I gave it to what? My family. If you were part of the family, you got the access code. Listen, the Bible makes it very clear. You can't get into the kingdom without the access code. His name is Jesus Christ. How do you get into the house? How do you get before the Father? How do you have access to him? We get access to him in whose name? Jesus' name. You enter into his presence through him and him alone. So those of us who are part of the family, we we need to be encouraged with that. We have access to the Father. When we pray, he hears us. He hears our prayer because we come in the name of Jesus Christ. Let me summarize what I've said so far. So far I've said that this prayer is a disciple's prayer. Jesus is teaching them how to, deci- how to pray. But it's also a prayer for believers. 
And because it's a prayer for us, before, for the sole purpose that Jesus Christ has opened the doors for us, to be brought back into a right relationship so that we can pray to the Father. So let's move on now to the verse that we need to look at before we run out of time. It says, verse 9 says this, Our Father who art in heaven. That word Father right there means this, literally translated Abba. It means Daddy. If you were not here last week, you need to go back online and you need to listen to Pastor John. He did a fantastic job, absolutely spectacular job unpacking that one name, Father, Daddy. It's great. Go back and listen to it. In, that, in his sermon, he said this, when the disciples would have heard Jesus teaching our Father, our Daddy, that we can call him Daddy, it would have blown their minds. Why? Because they were taught this. They were taught that God was transcendent. Say that word with me transcendent. What does that mean? That he's the creator. That means he's above all his creation. Transcendent means what? Above all creation. He's other. But then there's another very theological statement that says, or I should say word, I should say, mean imminent. Imminent means that even though God is above his creation, he's involved in his creation. He created and he's involved in it. Imminent, involved transcendent above they would have known that they would have understood that but then jesus comes along and says he's yes he's transcendent he's involved but you can know him personally you can call him daddy that blew their mind that god wanted a relationship with them personal but then he goes on and he says in verse 9 our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name. That's the verse we're looking at tonight. Hallowed. What does that mean? It literally, hallowed comes from the same root word that we get the word holy, sanctify, or sanctification from. It means that God is set apart. He's transcendent. He's transcendent. Jesus is saying, yes, the Father, he's your daddy. He loves you. He cares for you. And you can know him personal. But you need to remember you need to hollow him. Hollow him means that he's, uh, he's in a class of his own. He's set apart. He's holy. He's transcendent. You need to remember that. You need to remember that. You see, he needs to be revered and respected as your daddy. We live in an age where people, even Christians, want to take things that are great and make them common. They want to take those things that are vertical and make them horizontal. They want to take things that are eternal and make them temporary. They want to take things that are supernatural and make them natural. They want to take the things of God and make them very familiar and common. They want to make them like him, like themselves. There's the Christians that do that. Even though that they know that they've been created by God, created in his image, what they want to do in prayer is make God in their image. How do they do that? Have you ever heard somebody where they become, once you begin to think that way, you begin to think in those ways, you begin to become very cavalier in your prayer. And you approach God like this. Oh, I prayed to the big guy in the sky. I prayed to my good buddy. They make God one of the boys, one of the girls. No, that's not what Jesus is teaching here. He's saying, yeah, he's your daddy. He loves you. He cares for you. But respect him because he's other. He's set apart. You respect him. 
I remember when I was young in high school in the 70s. How many of y'all grew up in the 70s? Okay. Oh, yeah, a bunch of you. In the 70s, you remember it was cool. It was cool to refer to your father and your mother as the old man and the old lady. Disrespectful. Absolutely. But I got caught up in it. And one day I came home and I looked at my father and I tried it out. Came home from school and I said, how you doing, old man? Boy, he looked at me like I had three heads. And he looked around like, who are you talking to? He got up out of his chair and he put me in my place. When I finally picked myself up off the ground, he helped me understand very clearly. Listen, I'm your daddy. I love you. I care for you. I'll do anything for you. But never disrespect me. Don't you dare disrespect me. I brought you in this world, and I can take you out. What Jesus is saying is that you need to go to God and know he's your daddy. But you need to understand who he is. Remember, it says, hallowed be thy, what? Name. That word name is literally referring to God's character, God's attributes. What Jesus is basically teaching here is this. When you come to God, you come to your daddy, you respect him, you honor him. How? By praising who he is and what he's done. Remembering who he is and what he's done for you. And how do you do that? By praising him, by honoring him, by bringing glory to him. And why is that so important? Six weeks ago, I talked to you about praise. So let me remind you again, three reasons why. Number one. Jesus is teaching that we need to praise him in the beginning of our prayer. Later on, we can pray about our our problems and our needs, but when you start out, you praise him. You remember him, who he is and what he's done. Why? Because God is some kind of egotistical maniac? Because he's needy? He wants you to remember who he is? Because somehow he's forgotten who he is? No. It's not about him. It's about us. He knows that you and I will forget about who he is and what he's done. And we do that quickly. Second reason why is because God deserves our praise. He's the only one who is worthy of our praise. He's the one that we should be looking to. This is what is very clear in the scriptures. I've seen it over and over again. When you look in the word of God, it is amazing. He is the one that's only worthy because he is not only worthy because of who he is, but because of what he's done for us. There is no one else or nothing else that could have ever saved us other than Jesus. And what did he do? He came down and he laid down his life for you and I. We're going to celebrate that come Good Friday and Easter. We're going to remember that Jesus died. He died so that we could escape the eternal suffering that that we deserved. And there's no one or nothing worthy of our praise, deserves our praise, other than God. You need to remember who he is and what he's done. Third reason why is because of the principle that I taught you six weeks ago called the gaze and glance principle. How many of you remember that? Gaze and glance. What's that all about? Jesus is teaching us that we need to remember when we're praying in the beginning of our prayer who God is and what he's done. Because if you start focusing in, gazing in on your problems and your needs, and then glancing at God, Your problems and your needs will overwhelm you, and they will dominate your prayer. And what will you do? You will pray not in faith. You will be praying in fear and anxiety because you're you're just thinking about your needs and your problems, and they will dominate your mind. But if you reverse that 
and you begin to focus on who God is and what he's done for you, you gaze at God. And then you glance at your problems and your needs. Your problems and your needs will seem small. They'll pale in comparison to how great and mighty and powerful and all-knowing and all-present and sovereign and on and on your God is. And now you will no longer pray, in, if you will, with anxiety or being overwhelmed or fear. You begin to pray with expectation, anticipation, because you're thinking about who God is and you'll become confident and you'll become one of great faith. And all of a sudden you'll be praying in boldness expecting God to do something because you remember who he is and your problems will seem small in the comparison to how great your God is. It's called the gaze and glance. And Jesus knew that. He's the one who taught it. He's the one that brings it to us. And he says, start out your prayer focusing on who God is and what he's done for you. Let me illustrate for us as we begin to pray tonight how that works. I gave you a sheet of paper and on that sheet of paper, it has the very first word. This is take the first word. Because we're going to break up into groups and pray, I believe, tonight. And the very first, if you got this piece of paper, it says names of God. When you say the word God, you need to understand there's numbers, all kinds of names in the Old Testament and New Testament. Matter of fact, God has a name for every situation you can find yourself in. That's how vast and how wonderful our God is. All kinds of different names. Let's look at this one. Let's look at the very first one. How does this work? So when you begin your prayer, you can begin to pray and you say Elohim. What's Elohim mean? Creator. So how does this work? Here you are, you're praying. And you begin to praise him. You thank him. God, I thank you that you are my creator. In Genesis, what does it teach us about God being the creator? He created what we see, the world, the galaxies, out of nothing. He took no raw material. He, he made things out of nothing. And there will be a day, if you haven't already experienced it, where you're going to be in a situation where there's no way, no how. It might be the day that you walk into a doctor's office and there's no medicine, there's no operation, there's no way, no how they can do anything for you. And in that moment when you walk in and, God, and that man says that to you, you need to remember, no, wait a minute, there's Elohim. He's the creator. He can create things out of nothing. He can make a way where there seems to be no way. That man does not have the last word. God does. And when you begin to praise God and remember who he is, that he is the God who could create stuff out of nothing, all of a sudden your problems and your needs become small in comparison to how great your God is. I was talking to two men who have a company. They've run this company for decades. They called me this week. They lost their two clients the biggest clients they have, 65% of all that they have invested in, they've lost. They're thinking that they might not be able to keep the doors open. And they call me on the phone. They say, Pastor Ed, would you pray for me? And the first thing I said, okay, let's pray. But we're going to focus in on who God is, not our problems for a moment. We're going to remember Elohim. We're going to remember God the Creator. Because God can create stuff out of nothing. Right now it looks like you have no way, no how. You are up against There's no way you're going to be able to break through. But you need to remember that you serve a creator, a creator who can make a way where there seems to be no way, a, a God who can make things happen for you. He can, get, he can open up doors. He can shut doors. He can create things out of nothing. He can create new clients, new ideas, new possibilities for you. By the time we got done praying, 
Those men on that phone, in their voice, I could hear it. They were as flat as a pancake. They were as discouraged as could be. But by the time we got off that phone, they were absolutely, absolutely encouraged. And they said to me, Pastor Ed, it's like, it's like God blew wind into our sails. You know why that happens? Listen, hear me. God inhabits what? The praises of his people. When you praise him, he shows up. He does things that you can't do, man can't do. He does the impossible. But when we just pray prayers without thinking, and we make it religious, and we make it something that we just do without putting our heart, our minds, our spirit in it, it's really deadening. But when you do it the way that Jesus taught us, our Father, our Daddy, I get to come to Him because He's given me access. I get to pray. I respect you. I honor you. I thank you, God. And I remember who you are. You're Elohim. You're, you are the God of the universe. You are all-knowing, all-present, all-powerful. You begin to pray that way. And then you go and you look at your needs. And you say, God can handle this. Let's try it tonight. As Pastor John comes up and breaks us up and we pray together tonight, let's go to, get, do, go to God and let's believe Him. Let's trust Him for great things in our lives. Let's ask the Lord tonight to do something in the church, something new, something wonderful, something in your life, in your, in your neighborhood, in the city, in your community, in your life, in your children, in your grandchildren. Let's ask Him. And I believe God will answer. And we will see new things. I'm, that's what I'm praying. Through Lenten, we will break through the barriers that's keeping God from doing what he wants to do in our midst. I'm asking him to break through so that when we come in this building, it's like Jesus Christ is standing right here with us. Now, he is, but we'll be able to see him, feel him, experience him, and anticipate him. Are you with me on that? Can we believe God that way? Can you trust him that way? It happens when two or three gather in his name. We lock arms and we say, God, lead us, that we will run your errands for your glory. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you and praise you for who you are. I thank you for Pastor John. I thank you for the leadership of the church. But I thank you for each one in this room. And I thank you that we are followers of you. And that, Lord, you have led us here tonight because you want to speak to us, you want to speak through us, and you want to talk to us. Because you want us to talk to you. So we're going to do that. Lead us and guide us, Spirit of God. In Jesus' name, amen.